going to start now? Start it now. Start what? What are we doing, Abe? We're doing a podcast. Oh, no. Not again. Everybody's going to be uh, like, man, Adam never does a show with a microphone anymore. He just talks into his Bluetooth. What the heck? It's way easier, I think. Well, just this, type of, this time of year, as we were saying a minute ago, this is like the busiest time of year for our events and it's the busiest time of year for my wife and my daughter and it's the busiest time of year for my regular job and which i need to quit by the way and i can't because i'm stuck with it um but yeah it's a busy time of year so i apologize to everybody i am doing a show from the phone again <laughs> so uh I, what was it for the next like three or four weekends we've got back-to-back stuff going on so yeah um next week is uh speed ring the yeah, week after that is uh, Time Trials Nationals at the Corvette Museum. Yeah. And Hopefully then the week after that is time. round five. Yeah. And it's back to back to back, which I don't, I don't like doing that many things in a row. <laughs> it's too you hard. Know, my wife is really uh, supportive, but as I was telling her about going to Time Trials Nationals, she was like, oh, so you're doing events three weekends in a row? And I was like, yep, pretty much. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think there's like a probably a pretty decent chance you and I will be there uh, as kind of emissaries from Grid Life, hopefully helping with a track walk party. So I think that sounds like fun. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy that track uh, and like driving it. It's uh, technical and rewarding and fast. Um, and how, I'm not. How many fast. times have you driven it? I've probably driven I don't know 75 laps, maybe. That was your first track that you ever went to, right? Uh, no, Mid-Ohio was my first. Oh, that's right. That's that right. was when I drove at Mid-Ohio on street tires, like all seasons. Yeah. And original then, tires. Yeah, the original tires. And then after that, uh, my next track was NCM, I think. Yeah. At, at this very moment, if anybody's wondering what I'm doing, I'm up on scaffolding. This might be the first podcast ever from scaffolding. Um, that can't be true. I need to put it. I need to staple a wire in. Got my hand on the, the microphone for a second. <laughs> um, I don't know. I can't imagine anybody else that would have done a podcast from scaffolding, but it's probably happened. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm 15 feet in the air doing a garage door. Oh, forgot to put my hand over at that time. Sorry. I wonder what the OSHA policy is on recording a podcast while working. Well, it's a Bluetooth, so I'm hands free and. Uh... <clears throat> Yeah, and so so for the past three days, I've been up on scaffolding and high and in the air and doing commercial garage doors, which uh, make me completely and utterly exhausted because they're heavy and they're big and it's all climbing. When are you going to come down to my place and install my garage doors? Uh, well, you, you got to come up with some of that cash, man. <laughs> the you want to do high lift ones on your, on your house, right? Yeah. The, the ceilings in my garage are 10 and a half feet and the garage doors are at seven. So yeah, your ceiling is higher than mine. And I, mine, mine is my ceiling is nine foot six and I've got a lift in there. That's nine foot three. And, uh, yeah, you could totally put a lift in your garage if you did high, high lift garage doors. So. Well, I've got, uh, your, your brother as like a terrible influence, at least as a, you know, a, a role model because I think I've convinced Ashley that spending money on a garage is not a terrible idea. Totally not a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, but to make one as awesome as Jeremy's was is a, a pretty substantial commitment. It's very substantial. And like, uh, I think it took him like a, Tim and Allison and all of 
the friends that helped uh like it was a year and a half project before it was even like a building a big difference yeah. between jeremy and myself though is jeremy's handy and i'm not you're not as you're not as uh as not handy as your uh, amount of schooling would lead one to believe that's fair yeah <laughs> I, I took the e, uh, engine out of the Evo once, um, but I, it's not really been like permanently fixed since then. So that's the tricky part. Well, it, it was good for that one mid-Ohio day. Yeah. And um, it hasn't been but, right since then. So Yeah. So so you did a built motor in Evo, um, and then you put it all back in, and you got it tuned, and it was like fine and stuff, and then... Yeah, Tony right. Fuentes and Tom O'Gorman beat on it, and you beat on it at Mid Ohio this year. Right. And then what happened? Uh, I, I had some some parts failures, and uh, Tom came in and was like, "Well, the car doesn't make any power. Uh, I don't know." And like, you know, Tom's not really a mechanic, so we we started looking into stuff and uh, found out that the the manifold had like uh, broken apart and. That sucks. So uh -huh. uh, I pulled everything apart, and um, now that like I put it back together, it for whatever reason, and I can't figure it out. Maybe a, a an intelligent listener will tell me all the ways that I'm dumb. Is uh, a car won't make full boost, and uh, the AFRs are like pegged rich at 10 um, and it breaks up at like 7,000 RPM, and. Uh, my tuner said the first thing I should look at was for boost leaks. And yeah. I've done and boost leak tests. Sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've done a boost leak test. And well, what I found is a couple of things that were interesting. Normally, I've always uh, been told that you do a boost leak test by uh, um, basically plugging everything um, and uh, pressurizing the turbo inlet forward to the throttle body. Right. And... Uh, Something weird happens when I do that. So this is a Borg Warner EFR 7163. And uh, what the the sound I'm getting actually is like air bubbling through the oil pan, which leads me to believe that air is somehow getting past something somewhere and going down the oil drain, right? Because the, the oil drain should be uh, right. be below right. the oil line, I believe, right? Well, and it, it makes some sense if uh, if some some pressure is getting through the center section of the turbo, it would backfeed into the oil system. But yeah, so yeah. Um, but if you pressurize after the the turbo, basically on the compressor outlet, uh, the system holds pressure just fine. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that it's not a like a, a blown turbo problem, and I need a super core replacement. But I don't. I, but if it was, I don't think you'd have rich air fuels the rich air fuels and the breaking up like it would just be it would just you know not be working as well and you'd have a bunch of oil either blasting into the exhaust or blasting into the intercooler you know well what it means is uh metered air is getting somewhere that is not the engine right yeah but not that much not that much so I don't know. Um, I, I can't. I can't imagine so much air going past the turbo that the car would run rich. Do you know what I mean? Because the amount of air at high boost that's that's shooting through the engine is a lot. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I don't. Goes, like, I don't really know. Rich. Yeah, very strange. So um, the uh, the thought would be to like uh, trailer it up and um, 
to Andy or Ronnie or something like that and have them look Bring into it. Somebody like an Evo expert. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but Andy's in preparation for CSCS and then for speed ring and I don't have any free weekends anyway. So, uh, yeah. when am I going to yeah. do that? More than no, likely it might the, have to be a fall thing. Huh? Yeah. More than likely the car's just going to sit for a while. Like it normally does. Uh, you, you did take it to, uh, excuse me, as a climb down an extension ladder. Uh, you did take it to uh, track day picnic at Blackhawk Farms. Yeah, um, and I used it for the instructor, um, like the instructor pace car thing for the beginner group. Uh, yep. But any more than that, um, that was where I was seeing the the bad AFRs problem and and all okay. of that. So I parked so at it. like two, even like it. So like a two thirds throttle, it's pretty good. And then after that, it starts to break up. Yeah, like two thirds throttle, you're not at full boost anyway. So yeah. What, uh, so when you change the turbo manifold and all that stuff, like I was texting you this morning, do you change or did you have to take a lot of sensors off? Could this be a sensor problem like, or a ground problem? Could I don't think adding... so. The only wires that I would have had to disconnect were the, the electronic boost control solenoid, right? Okay. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the wires look like they're in fine condition to me. Um, yeah. If I weren't so lazy, I would get the laptop out and go drive it and do some logs, but... Uh, busy oh, what, what, so what uh what about any grounds or any whenever i whenever i have Haven't a car that's got a problem all. i add grounds and it fixes it a miraculous amount of times no but, it hasn't been touched i don't know maybe maybe add a ground see if maybe ground is loose or something maybe it's something stupid electrical but, i don't know we would love some opinions shoot uh abron at grid.life an email if you got any if you got any ideas you can subject uh you are dumb this is the problem you are dumb. Or you could just you could just send him an email telling me he's dumb too. That's fine too. <laughs> he he would understand. Uh most time attack drivers start their uh their email requests with that actually. Yeah. Hello, Abram. You are dumb. Um Here are all the ways that you are wrong. Yeah. It's it's not unheard of. <laughs> <laughs> but um how's uh, how's the weather down in India? Is it nice there? It's delightful today. It's like uh what, seventy two and sunny? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm really hap- happy with the weather right now. It's nice nice weather to work in. This is my favorite time of year to work in. Qu- uh, coincidentally, it's also usually our busiest time. But uh, the other day, I was doing a commercial garage door in Chicago. Um, like I took a 16 foot wide, 12 foot tall thing, you know, and it was a beautiful day on Monday, um, and and happened to be a giant radiator next to me where I was working, and then they fired the plant up. And turns out it was the radiator that cools the air supply system and the hydraulic system for this plant. And this plant, like, is running. They re- they they fix, they they refurbish oil drums, like 55 gallon steel drums, and they everything is ran off hydraulics and everything. And so, this radiator is doing a lot of cooling, and it's and it's blowing exactly where I needed to be for about seven hours. Uh, and they needed to run the plant for about that time. And so I've Sunday, Monday night, I felt like I had melted and been cooked inside because uh, the 150 degree air was blowing on me, even though it was such a nice, pretty day. That totally sucked. <laughs> That's I was still thankful it wasn't 90 degrees outside. But... That would have been worse, I'm sure, because then it would have oh, been like 180 worse. degrees. Yeah, it would have been worse. But, so how much uh, water did you drink far. on Monday? What's that? How much water did you drink on Monday? Uh, I think I drank about two and a half gallons, and I never went to the bathroom. So. <laughs> Um, and I wasn't even like covered in sweat because the air was blowing over me. It was like, have you ever like put your hand behind a radiator? Like when the fan is running? Oh yeah. It's so hot. Um, it's like that. 
but this was like a five foot by five foot radiator and it had a four foot diameter fan like shooting through it. Um, and then I was on the other side. <laughs> so back in the day when I lived in Chicago, I had an R six right. and, uh, when you're sitting at stoplights, the engine builds heat pretty quick. And so when, oh, yeah. when the fans run, like the amount of heat that just blows onto your body is unbelievable. I imagine that's yeah. probably what it's like. Yeah, it's pretty similar. Pretty similar. Sucks. Yeah. What, what, uh, what, how big is an R6 motor? Is that 600 TC? Yeah, it's 600. That's pretty similar in like a lot of respects to the R1. A lot of the parts interchange and stuff. Was that right? Yeah. When, when I did all the research on for the R1 for the Frasier, a lot, a lot of the stuff, like you know, like a lot of the stuff is the same. The parts that bolt onto it and stuff. But uh, how long did you have that bike? Two years. I rode it uh, basically from like March to November uh, while I was in school uh, for two seasons. And I, I think I did like eleven or twelve thousand miles during that time. And wow. at the time, it was the only vehicle I had, uh, which yeah. is like. Uh, now that I'm an adult, grown up, I can say that that was literally the dumbest decision I could have made. Because R sixes suck at everything except for casual rides, except for being fun. Yeah, right. Like, uh, um, so I had to like commute on it a couple of times and made a couple of long distance trips. And I, I had found that like I couldn't ride it for more than an hour at a time without a rest break. So really? like, because it was just so brutal. Oh, it's awful. Um, and so like the the tank, I've never ridden a bike like that. Oh, it so. sucks. I, I don't yeah. recommend it to anybody unless their only goal is to go out and have fun with it. Yeah, um, for an hour at a time. But like, basically, if you're traveling on the interstate at 75 or 80 or whatever, uh, the at the time the R6 had about two hours worth of fuel. So I would uh, at one hour stop and stretch my legs for five minutes, get back on, ride another hour, and get fuel. And I did a couple of like seven or eight hour rides like that. Sucks. Don't do it. So. Oops, I had you on mute. That's uh, that's that's really far. Like, where did you go? I went from north side of Chicago to Dayton and South Dayton and Cincinnati and that area for work a Jeez. couple of times. Okay. I mean, your dogs, uh, your dogs found somebody. I hear them in the background. They're jerks. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit quieter than last time. <laughs> There's like three doors between me and them. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you're going to Atlanta for work this week, huh? Yep. Uh, I am recruiting scientists and engineers to come work for our company. So that nerd, I don't know why they gave me that kind of, uh, responsibility, but you know, yeah, I didn't you know, know that that was your job also until you did that the other day. Yeah. Well, you know, if, yeah. if only they knew that, uh, 99% of my life is devoted to thinking about grid life. Yeah. You probably shouldn't talk about that in, in public. Yeah. I wonder how good I'd be at my real job if I like, cared as much about it as grid life yeah um i understand <laughs> I'm, a similar boat. I'm lucky that my day job is kind of like an autopilot you know um yeah we've been trying to get you to uh to buy a different car uh what are your thoughts on, uh, on different cars lately oh my god i i want a new car every day uh i i think an s2000 would be amazing i think an eg with a k-swap would be amazing it would. After it would. seeing uh, Josh Orr at Road Atlanta drive the Z51 C7, I think Corvettes are amazing. Um, really, I just want cars that are uh, light and easy to drive. And I, you know, after seeing everyone at Autocross Nationals last week, I kind of miss being able to do autocross stuff. Yeah. Did you do a lot of autocross? 
Um, I was never like super, super, uh, competitive and like dedicated. Uh, but yeah, you weren't that's autocross guy, but not, not really. I mean, uh, I've only been doing car stuff for a few years. Right. So, uh, that's how I got to know Paul Curley and oh, yeah. how I got connected to, uh, like folks from what Southwest Ohio who do grid life stuff and do autocross and do whatever. So, um, that was, that was how I got to know all those people. Okay. So you weren't, uh, you weren't, you weren't, you didn't wear a lot of, uh, white tennis shoes and pull your socks up high and do autocross things, but you like doing autocross. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might still do those things, but I, well, I you know, I saw that you got, you, yeah. uh, you made a post about Velcro sneakers. So you got your dad yeah. game on the next level. So that's good. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Those Not, look like look. shoes that both you and your dad would wear probably at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. You know, sometimes you gotta, sometimes fashion takes a backseat. So what's the, the status on your car? Oh man. Which, which one, the stupid sports racer thing or the civic the civic, uh, the civic, uh, it's a, it's, it, well, if I put wheels on it, it would be a roller right now, which is the first time it's been that for a long time. Um, I, I did uh, wheel bearings and ball joints on some, CRX SIR spindles from uh, Japan slash England that Richard found me. Oh, that's um, nice. He just sent you a care package. Uh, yeah. He, well, he sent them to me before he even came over here, but um, it took him a while to find them. And the reason that I went with the SIR spindles, even though they're technically illegal in uh, SCCA STL, they're the same dimensions and geometry and everything as uh, regular 88 to 91 stuff, but um, it uses an Integra wheel bearing and hub um which is a failure point on on fourth generation civics like the hub is actually thinner everything about it is thinner and smaller and the bearing is smaller um so yeah so i've got the the bigger better badder hub uh, and wheel bearing combo now because i don't really want to uh, it, it, it basically needs to be like routine maintenance on these cars if you're tracking them heavily um to change the wheel bearings and so a lot of people just bolt on integra spindles the 90 to 93 Integra spindles bolt on. The geometry is a little different, but they bolt right in place. Um, and then you don't have to worry about things as much. But, uh, yeah, wheel bearing and hub failures, hub failures specifically, are kind of terrifying um, when you're on track. So I figure I'm not, I don't want to have hub failures. Hub failures don't sound like a good time to me. So. Yeah, I bet not. I've never had one of those, and I'm hoping to keep it that way. Yeah, uh, my first race weekend, I saw a wheel go bouncing about 50 feet in the air because it came off a car because the Civic Hub broke. So, um, and he went into the wall just before Thunder Valley at Mid Ohio. <laughs> so. Speaking of uh, going into the wall, did you see that uh, uh, like quick recap video of that IMSA Lamborghini that went into the tire wall at the Corkscrew at Laguna? So hairy. This is so weird, fast. man. And I mean, I, it's like hard to believe that she's like okay-ish. Well, that was... the fact that that car got airborne actually, I think, helped, right? Because it, it takes yeah. a lot of energy to lift a car 15 feet, right? So that's, had she just crazy. went up into the wall and just crashed, that would have been a lot worse, I think. I'm, I'm surprised that uh, the tire barrier um, did so well. Like it was, I think it was like a three-stack deep tire barrier. But those things really do dissipate some energy. That's, For sure. Uh, that, that car was flying. Uh, literally flying also. But 
Yeah, that was a scary crash. I, I wonder if she, I mean, must have had like, what, a second or two to react before she collided? Yeah, almost none. There's no, and you're along for a ride there. Who, who knows the story there? But I've heard that the story was brake failure, and I've heard that, that the story was that her foot went to the wrong pedal, but I don't know. Well, there's, there's only two pedals, right? It's, I know. It's it should be just a dual clutch setup, right? I don't know. I don't think you could screw up that bad. Well, especially as a race driver, that seems uh, not likely. Yeah, and and she, and I was looking through her Instagram because I saw somebody like post in her. It popped up, you know, the get well soon or something, and it appears that she's been doing this for a while too. So I don't know, whatever. I'm glad she's all right. That's a that's a freaking hairy one, man. It's hairy. I've uh, I've never had the pedal go to the floor. I have hit the pedal and had it be like rock hard and not slow down at all, which is okay. scary, but. I've never was it like had... an ice mode kind of thing. Yeah, I think ABS? so. Something like that. Okay. And so that was yeah. what coming into 11 at Gingerman. And in that case, okay. I just like pit in yeah. gives you what oh, yeah, you get a little extra yards, time maybe there. it's uh, it's not fun having the pedal go to the floor. I've had it happen multiple occasions um, and it's never, it's never cool. <laughs> if you track old Hondas long enough, it happens to you. Um, but uh, my fir- the first race class that I was in when I got my wheel-to-wheel license was ITA. And in ITA, you're, you're in a, any uh, improved touring class, um, you need to run the factory brakes. You can run anything you want, pad and rotor size, but it's got to be OEM style, OEM size rotors. Okay. Uh, pad, pad and rotor. I mean, you can use any brand. You can use any brand pad, but you got to run factory brakes. Like caliper and rotor have to be factory which for some cars is cool, and for some cars is not cool. Sure. Um, and um, and the CRX had been punished with weight a little bit because it had dominated like five years earlier. When it became like ITA legal, it was like the fastest ITA car once you built it up, you know? Sure, yeah. So they gave it a couple hundred extra pounds. It was 2250 was the race weight with the driver. But I had like 300 or 200 pounds of ballast in my car to get to 2250. And uh, maybe at least a hundred, and uh, I don't know. It, it, you had to, you had to, you had to. It was, it was a lot of work to keep a set of brakes under that car for half an hour. So, um, and especially when you bled it with with the wrong fluid. Yeah, right. Old fluid uh, will do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When your bleed bottle and your brake bottle are and your new fluid bottle are the same bottle, the same kind of bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's. I, I get made fun of for that all the time. <laughs> So I was talking with a uh, a buddy uh, today yeah. about engine swapped S two thousands, and I had a I had a question. And since you're like a big Honda nerd, maybe you can fill me in on this. Um, maybe the new Type R engine is available as a crate engine. Okay. Yep. If you were if you were Hasport or whomever, uh, could you do like motor mounts to put that into a an S two thousand? And I don't it, see why not. Yeah, and if the, you did, uh, what kind of ECU management would you need to get all those things to work? Uh, that could be the problem. Um, there's, there's, I only know of one engine swap uh, Type R car that's been out there, or that's out there right now, and that's Kevin Bohm's uh, STL or STU Civic. He races in STU, um, and he's got a standalone. And there's only a few standalones, or at least when he when he did it, there was only a few standalones that could run the direct injection. Got it. Um, but uh, there's probably a way to run the full Type R 
ECU and run uh, just a reflash, but I don't know off the top of my head. So. To me, it just um, like when I was thinking about, you know, K swaps and whatever, especially in the S2000, which seems to be, you know, people's passion right now. Um, yeah, that's a cool swap. The the, the K swap from a, an, a, like a, what is it, TSX or whatever, is can be a little bit involved. It takes some amount of work to get everything dialed in. And I'm wondering yeah, if, like, a well, 300 it's, horsepower it's, factory motor is probably the easiest thing you could do. It could be, I mean, it could be very reliable too. Those motors don't seem to have a lot of issues on track. They, in factory configuration, the Type R's do get a little hot if you're beating on them hard, but they seem to take it well. Um, the uh, it, that motor is a K series motor, but it's got a different bell housing, I believe. Um, so the, the the actual like bolt pattern on the back of the engine going to the trans is different. I see. I heard, but. Uh, and I, I would imagine the block is like wholly different than the regular K series because everything else seems to be different. Sure. Size-wise, there's plenty of room in an S2000 for wider motors, and that motor would be a little bit wider because of the turbo setup. Right. Um, well, I, I bet you'd have to do some fabrication to like uh, uh, reposition the air intake and a couple of things like that, and obviously oh yeah, the, the intercooler easy. setup. But um, that's just to me, it just stuff. looked easier than like doing some of the more uh, sophisticated swaps to get everything else to fit. And People if you... do crazy engine swaps in S2000s. There's Viper V10s out there. There's all kinds of stuff. So, um, As far as size goes, I'm sure it's doable. But the, uh, yeah, the hardest part is with, with that motor is direct injection. And you'd have to fabricate the adapter plate to the trans, um, direct injection ECU, uh, which there's there's more and more in standalone world, more and more available. I forget which one Kevin uh, had. He talked about it on the podcast. He was on the podcast about about a year ago. Okay. But um, yeah, it's a cool motor, man. It's a very cool motor. Well, for a sixty-five hundred dollars, that is a crate motor. is pretty cool, actually. Yeah, brand new motor. That's that's a lot of motor for that much. Um, and that that's with turbo and everything too, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's like full so i wonder if it's with the ecu that's a good question i don't know that you'd have to do a little bit of research on if it was that would be an insane deal if only we like, talked to like people affiliated with hondas on a regular basis that i'm sure be... somebody will sure somebody will tell us that what the story is but yeah they, they'd have to sell that with some you know there has there has to be some way to run it available but I don't know. You can probably buy a full uh, wiring harness and a full ECU and run it. But one of the cool things about the K-Swap setups is you can plug a full like RSX uh, Type S like engine harness and everything, and then even use the OBD2 port and everything. Like with a K-Miata, they've got it. Or David's got it where you can just basically the, the engine is is ran uh, as it would be factory, and you can even use the OBD2 scan port and all that stuff. So. That's awesome. I'm I'm sure there's I'm sure there's something out there out there that would be you know cooler than you would imagine as possible. No, I don't remember if we had talked about this since uh, since this happened. But uh, what about Mikey doing a 38 at Gingerman in an RSX? Just with just with like a NA motor, yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's so fast. Sorry, I'm moving the ladder here. It's uh, yeah, that was that was faster than I. Ever would have thought someone could go in a big RSX on street tires. But That's faster than I've ever went in my Evo ever. Uh, the, the car is like 2,700 pounds too. Like it's not, it's not heavy, but it's not exactly light. Like it's not like 2,000 pounds. 
Well, and you are very critical of what is it, a DC5 chassis? Uh, well, I'm not critical of it. It's just historically people have been. Um, excuse me as I staple off of a ladder. Uh, people have been. They like they kind of the running joke was like um, in order to make the car turn, you had to make the back suspension not work. <laughs> Um, which I don't know is, if that's actually very true. I think a lot of people you know, expected more out of that chassis than, you know, they wanted it to work just like the old double wishbone Hondas and like it just needed different stuff to work. But yeah, I don't so think, there's I don't like think you new development to... and stuff that had to go into that. Yeah, I don't think it's, uh, and you can make them obviously handle pretty well uh, just with, with, with suspension. Mikey's proven that now. So, and I mean, a lot, other people have proven it in the last couple of years also. There's a couple of them racing in wheel to wheel that I know of. And uh, I, I like those chassis a lot. They're really good looking cars. I agree. But, Wait, uh, I saw a bunch it, of them that Honda meet that were really clean and I yeah. was, was feeling temptation at that moment. There's a, you know, there's a couple of them that come from Detroit area. Uh, buddies with our, with one of our lead instructors, Ryan Kristoff. Um, those things are so clean. Um, and and they've been running with us forever and they're not slow uh but yeah i think zach and mikey have them or i I, a bunch of the team team tuna guy but uh when i was talking to mikey i'm pretty sure that he has what like less than 10 in that car completely uh that sounds about right i would imagine he's got 270 wheel it's just like a basic na build with like you know pistons from this thing and then like you know, these whatever cams and, you know, that's about it. You know, it's, I think it's OEM bottom end stuff. You take the pistons from one thing and put it, put it all together. And here you go. It's 270 wheel horsepower. That's amazing. It's, it's a lot of power, man. Like, it's that's a lot. A, that's a lot of NA, you know. Well, and I, I rode with, with Levi and he uses what the K20 and in that car, obviously it's lighter, but that it's a, it's a visceral experience. It's a fast car, and that that's like two thirty wheel. That's just like a, a a street tune, or I mean a dyno tune, uh, stock K twenty R motor. Yep. But, yeah, a lot of power. It's For it's a hard to like car. Yeah. rationalize spending any more money on the Evo when at the yeah. end of the day the, the Evo will always be a thousand pounds heavier. It's a heavy car. Your Evo it drives lighter than it is, but it's not lighter than than it. It's not. It's heavier than it feels. It one of the feels things, like, but it's hard on consumables. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I am starting to learn after having ridden with a, a bunch of different drivers and cars is my Evo never actually feels planted. It like, yeah. it can go around corners, but there's, there, it's not very confidence inspiring. And I, I, it's hard. The, 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 like describing the level of grip is just weird because it doesn't do like a manual mechanical car would do. It's, it is different. It's different than any car I've driven. I'm not, I figured it was just because I'm not really used to driving a car like that, but yeah, I've never, I've never felt super, super comfortable in it. And that was part of the reason I was a little bit freaked out about doing one lap in it um, is because it's not like, it's not like I didn't like it, but it's not, I don't feel at home in that car at all. So at Autobahn, I jumped in the car with Luke McGrew on South course and you know, obviously, Viper? yeah, the, the Viper ACR, and obviously it's like huge downforce and it's an incredible machine, but I've never been in a car that was so planted in my entire life. Well, it's a Viper. They're supposed to be good at things. Oh man, it was great. 
If only uh, I made so much more money. Yeah. How much are those things anyway? Uh, if you can find one, I think they're like a low 100s, like one, 125. That's a lot, man. That's it's a, a lot. lot of, lot of stuff. And from what I understand, it's not like they're, you know, absolutely bulletproof from the factory either. Those still, they require the same amount of maintenance and care that you would for any track car, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it uh, it's just a lot more tire. <laughs> Those tires what are, are they, really What do they run on those things? Like three thirty fives or something? It's the uh, the Kumo ACR three fifty five in the back. Three fifty five and uh, two ninety five in the front. That's so much tire. I love that. Now, is that the only size that that tire is available in? I believe that's true because we got a lot of guys in the Time Attack who are using the the two ninety five fronts. Yeah, and. Uh, uh, other people have expressed some reservation against that because they don't, or they're, they're like uncomfortable or unfamiliar with running 19s and they only yeah. come in a 19 inch wide or a 19 inch wheel. Yep. So, but I guess people who want them tend to find ways to make them fit. It, uh, yeah. Chris Borsman has got them on a civic, which is crazy. I mean, I think it um, looks cool. It looks fine. Um, well, it, it looks cooler than I think it should. Like, when I heard, oh, he's putting 19s on a Civic, I thought, wow, that's going to be stupid. And it turns out it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, uh, I don't know if the, the the rest of the car community has, has seen this or experienced this, but um, I rode with, um, shoot, name escapes me, uh, Pete Collins and uh, yeah. in the uh, his M3. And it's like an NA car. It's uh, it's really dialed in, like really well developed, but nothing out of this world crazy build wise. Um, right. And he is running the new Eagle F ones or something like that. Okay. And yeah. uh, apparently those are supposed to be on the same level. So yeah, I don't know anything about those tires. Is that is that a, tra- a full tread tire? Uh, I haven't even looked at it. But when I talked to a couple of other people. Uh, they weren't surprised that they were on the same level as like an RE71 or a Rival or whatever really? else. I literally don't know anything about this. They uh, they seem to have it figured out. I don't know. That car is so fast at uh, Blackhawk. Yeah, you rode with him at Track Day Picnic. And that was like, uh, the car's just got like a diff and like suspension, I think. Yeah, that's that's pretty um, much it. it it's, gotten, it's got like no big power mods, just ex- exhaust and stuff. But... Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Very, very quick. It, it was, it sounds really cool. I, I, whatever intake box he's got on that thing makes that S54 sound good. So. Well, I think, I think S54 sound amazing always. Like some people do, some people don't. I kind of like them and some people hate them. Oh, Yonkers car like was screaming at Blackhawk because when the, when the sound comes like off and bounces off of the trees right at start finish, right. It's just so loud. It is. It's not quiet at all. <laughs> Well, it, it almost sounded like, uh, or it was, it reminded me a lot of Westergaard's S2000 from last year, where it was just like, yeah, yeah, I phenomenally loud. Yeah, it's 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 cool sound. But, yeah, it, it uh, Blackhawk is kind of a cool place to hear cars too, because you got like kind of the trees muffling the the raspiness, but uh, you're kind of in a tunnel of them, you know. Yeah, right. Uh, I, I like the front straight of Blackhawk. It's, it's a cool place to to work you know well i don't know that anyone will ever get as close to the track as jeff did but uh (laughs) yeah the corner the 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 control he literally stands right next to the track and he's been doing it for probably forever and so like you know any 
any guidance to the contrary was just like, no, I'm not doing that. No, nope, that's where Jeff stands. Yeah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> it uh, it it's a cool track though. I really like that place a lot. I'm glad you did bring a car out there finally. Yeah. Uh, uh, you brought it to Mid Ohio and then you brought it out there. We didn't see it the rest of the year. No, but... I brought it to Hondami, and it ran. Oh, o- you did bring it. it ran to- okay there, but I wasn't paying attention much. Uh, yeah. It was still down on boost, but I wasn't even like looking or caring about AFRs at all. But yeah. given how much fuel I used, I bet you it wasn't running great. Yeah, yeah. You you used uh, how many? Ta- you, you used I think it was like thirty-five gallons. Yeah. So, and I also like uh, uh, delaminated a tire, so that was cool. Yeah, I remember that now. It's, uh, all these all these memories coming back to me about your freaking Evo. It's too hard. Yeah. Uh, but we've got an apartment that we're trying to sell in Chicago, and as soon as that is done, maybe just maybe Ashley will let me buy another like fun car Uh, because Andy told me uh, that I shouldn't be so silly as to sell the Evo because the Evo is a great car when you're competing in something, but it is not great when you're not competing in something. It's yeah. It's not the best like fun tracking car, but it it is a nice place to be. Like it's a nice street car. If there's dialed, you'd like driving it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So yeah, could be a good, like second, second street car, you know? So yeah, probably. It would be nice to to have something that like doesn't suck to drive to work on a nice day. Yeah, but something that's not a broken. But. Well, I you know I bet that an S two thousand would be nice kind of all the time. So probably, probably. Yeah. The problem with Andy's those got, is that Andy's got a lot of experience expensive. in the S two thousand world too. That's true. So, surprised he didn't recommend one of those. But. He always recommends an S two thousand. Yeah, they are fun. He uh, he was telling me you can get one that's really rough for like eight. I saw like a pretty nice one for ninety five the other day, um, with a lot of good mods too. So yeah, they're out there. They're out there. I saw uh, one on what is it, Copart or whatever. Um, yeah, it yeah. was a flood car from Houston. They were asking five. And I was like, oh man, I kind of want a car for five thousand bucks. If yeah, you right. Run if the engine's not shot, you know. Yeah. Now, let's get loud where I'm at here. Uh, we should probably shut this thing down. I think we're into about half an hour, too. I think we're we're at like 38 minutes, so I think we're good. That sounds like a podcast. Send it to me. Will do. <laughs> all right, everybody. Yeah, rate and review us on iTunes and tell, uh, tell all your friends how terrible it is. So. See you, buddies. All right, man.